Good evening. It is good to see all of you out tonight. We are glad that you are here. Tonight, as I mentioned this morning, we're sort of transitioning into a, a new series, although it is very much so connected to what we were studying. Uh, we spent about ten lessons studying Bible basics and some things that we should know about the Bible. And I, I hope that that has been informative to you in some way. Um, the idea behind all of this is to uh, just basically encourage Bible study among us, to encourage each of us to pick up our Bibles on a regular basis and, and to try to understand God's Word. Tonight we are beginning what I'm going to call a walk through the Bible. And I would like for this to, to go on through each of the books of the Bible. And uh, we'll, we're not going to try to go in like chronological order or anything crazy like that. We'll just take each book at a, one at a time and study through them, pick out some of the highlights and some of the things that we can learn from. And so tonight's lesson begins the books of Moses. The books of Moses are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we're not going to cover anywhere near all five of those books tonight. Uh, but over the next few weeks, uh, I would like for us to, to just look at, at those books and, and really pay attention to some of the things that are found in each of them. Just to reintroduce the Bible to you. The 66 books of the Bible begin with the books that are written by Moses. And just looking at those few books, we see that these books are books of law and history concerning God's people, Israel. We have from the beginning God's creation, and namely Adam and Eve. And later on throughout those books we find Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and the children of Israel are born. And these are God's people. All of these from Adam and Eve up to that point and beyond, these are God's people that we're talking about. When we look at them, they are to follow God's commands. Adam and Eve were even given law and order. And so as we look at this, we, we are, are reminded that these are God's people. These books cover the span of approximately 2,000 plus years. Uh, somewhere around 4,000 B.C. I've seen it estimated uh, further than that. Uh, but somewhere about 4,000 to 1406 B.C. And though not alive for much of this period, Moses was able to write about it by inspiration of God, especially when we go back all the way to creation. The way that he was able to write these books was by inspiration. We're told in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 that all Scripture is inspired by God. And so we remember that, and we understand that to be so. But these books are inspired books, just as the others of the Bible. These books span the lifetimes of Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and the patriarchs of Israel. And so as we, we look at these books, we, we certainly find uh, detail 
uh, about God's people and especially these individuals as well as some others that we'll look at um, but, but these are, are just a few this is in the time of the patriarchal age to the mosaic age beginning with the law the highlights of these books include the creation of man Noah and the flood God's covenant with Abraham Joseph's rule in Egypt Moses' birth the giving of the law these books tell us of the lives and service of God's people our lesson objective is to survey the first five books of the Bible learning what we can from their contents and this is certainly not an exhaustive study and much will not be included in it but hopefully we can just hit hit on some of the main points and and maybe be encouraged by them tonight's lesson is going to span the book of Genesis and we're not going to get out of the book of Genesis tonight though I do plan to do so uh, next week Lord willing uh, but tonight is going to concentrate on the book of Genesis Genesis is the first book of the Bible because it is the first book of the Bible it contains many firsts in the history of God's people the first people and the first marriage for instance are found in the book of Genesis turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and let's pick up reading with verse 7 Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 and the Lord God formed of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being God created man and we pick up with verse 18 and it says and the Lord God said it is not good that man should be alone I will make him a helper comparable to him out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them and whatever Adam called each living creature that was its name so Adam gave names to all cattle to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him verse 21 and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman and he brought her to the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed and had no reason to be 
God created the first union between man and woman. And for this reason, even today, man still leaves his father and mother to be joined unto his wife. And they become one flesh. The one flesh concept is something that that I, I didn't quite understand until I was married. But when we think of the union between a man and a woman, they, they share the same name most of the time. Maybe they share a bank account. Uh, they share many things throughout life. And it comes to a point where they're not recognized apart from each other. I, I know that, that growing up with my parents and even my grandparents and great-grandparents, I never recognized them apart from one another. They truly were one flesh. And when we marry, that's exactly what we do. We, we live, even though we, we make separate decisions sometimes, maybe we have different thoughts and different opinions, we work together to make one life. And that's the way that God planned it to be. So we understand that, that the first people in the first marriage, these were given by God. But there are other firsts as well. For instance, we have record of the first sin to be committed. Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 16. Genesis 2 and verse 16, we have a command that is given of Adam and Eve. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now as we read this verse, we know that, that woman has not been created yet. But as we get into Genesis chapter 3, we find that this law applies to her. And in Genesis chapter 3, we read of the transgression of God's law. Genesis 3 verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. How fitting that as one flesh that, that Eve shared with her husband. And it was one of those things that shouldn't have been shared. 
shouldn't have been partaken of in the first place. So not only did Eve partake of the forbidden fruit, but she gave it to her husband also, so that both transgressed God's command. They are left with full blame and without excuse, as they knew well the command. Eve stated that they knew the command. Going back to verse 2, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. She knew better. She knew God's command. She knew what it was. And she and Adam both are left with the blame for their transgression. They tried to pass off blame to each other and, and the serpent. But in the end, they were guilty of committing the first sin. The consequences, Adam and Eve were banished from God's perfect garden. Another first in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. And beginning with verse 1, we read of the first murder. In Genesis 4, and beginning with verse 1, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived, and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and he killed him. I wonder if the word taught in verse 8 is, is strong enough for what happened between the two. It seems that they, they came into an argument of some sort, a disagreement, a conflict, and Cain rose up against his brother and he killed him. The first murder was caused by conflict between brothers. This is mentioned again in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 where we read of the faith of Abel. Hebrews 11 and verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. 
We read of the first rain. This may be more of a, a side note, I guess, not really of any great importance, but we do read of the first rain in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, we read this of creation. Genesis 2, verses 4 through 6. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now whether or not there was rain in between this and the days of Noah, we cannot be certain. But we do read that the biggest rain came in the days of Noah. The first time that rain is mentioned since Genesis 2 where it says that there was no rain is in Genesis chapter 7 and beginning with verse 1. In Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female. Two each of the animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven each of birds of the air, male and female to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. It rained. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, destroying the face of the earth, destroying all that were living, all that were outside of the ark. This is the first mention of rain in the Bible. When God created man, he created him in a very special way. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
You see, man is given intelligence surpassing that of any other creature on the earth. And he is given dominion over them. Even though man may not be the strongest of the creatures, he is able to outsmart them. We are able to hunt for food and, and things of that nature. We are over, able to overcome the fierceness of any of the, the powerful creatures. Man is given dominion in that way. We are created in the spiritual image of God as no other creature. Man is very special to God indeed. Let's look for a moment though at the highlights of Genesis. And we're not going to get through all of these, but we'll look at what we can tonight and save the others for next week. We begin with Noah and the flood. Beyond creation, Noah and the flood is one of the greatest things that we read in the book of Genesis. We are told why the flood came. In Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 5, Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast. Creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The reason that the flood came, the reason that the flood was sent, was because of the wickedness of man. They had become so wicked and they had done so much that, that ignored God completely that God repented. He was sorry that He had made them in the first place. And if not for Noah finding grace in the eyes of the Lord, we would not be here today. Because Noah wouldn't have been told to build the ark. And all of God's creation would have been destroyed. And unless he recreated it, we would not be here today. God kept his promise to destroy the earth with the flood. And Noah was obedient to the command of God. Noah is an example of obedience for today as well. In 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 20. 1 Peter 3 and verse 20. When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype. King James uses the word like figure which now saves us. Baptism. 
not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Noah is used as an example. As he and his family were saved through water, so we are saved when we come in contact with the waters of baptism. It's not the washing of the physical body, but it is the answer of a good conscience toward God. And just as Noah was obedient, we are taught to be obedient as well. We read in the book of Genesis of God's promise and Abraham's faith. Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. What do you plan to do when you turn 75? Or if you've already turned 75, what, what are you doing now? Abram was told to leave his home. Abram was told to leave the place that he had known all of his life. And he wasn't even told where he was going. That's one of the most interesting things to me. I've also learned to be very careful about how I make my comments on verse 4. But Abraham, he did what God said. And according to God's promise, he kept the promise that he made to him of blessing him. God promised to Abraham a son. And in Genesis 22, we read of something else that happened. You see, this son was born to Abraham. His name was Isaac. But in Genesis 22 and verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, wait a minute, because when we go back to Genesis 12, we read in verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. How can he make of Abraham a great nation if he is going to sacrifice his own son? And yet, that's exactly what God told him to do. Did Abraham protest? But, but God, you, you made a promise. How are you going to keep this promise? We're not told that he did. As a matter of fact, what we're told of is his obedience. 
Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Because Abraham was old. He received this son in his old age. God had a plan. Abraham didn't know exactly what that plan was. But he obeyed. He offered up Isaac, his son. As he was ready to kill him, God stopped him. Why? Told in verse 19, he concluded within himself that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. If God could create life from one who was nearly dead to begin with, he could raise him up. He obeyed. A while back we talked about Cain and Abel and the conflict between brothers. And we know that it led to the first murder in the Bible, but it's not the only conflict between brothers that we read of. We read of another in Genesis chapter 25 and beginning with verse 23. God speaking to Rebekah wife of Isaac he told her two nations are in your womb two peoples shall be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger and from their very birth we see that the conflict was there between Esau and Jacob. In Genesis chapter 25, beginning with verse 29, we read this. Genesis 25 and verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentil. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. There was conflict between the brothers. And it wasn't a conflict that went away anytime soon. 
In Genesis 27, we read of Jacob's blessing. Due to the deception of Rebekah and Jacob, Isaac believes that Jacob is Esau. And in Genesis 27, beginning with verse 26, Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Jacob is giving the, given the blessing of Esau. And so when Esau comes to Isaac, we read in verse 30 of Genesis 27, Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled and trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. Verse 41, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Later on, Jacob and Esau meet. And these feelings of hatred seem maybe shoved to the back of, of the mind or, or the heart. Jacob is afraid of how Esau is going to treat him. But there was conflict between these brothers for the rest of their lives. And even when they did come to meet, even when invited to come and, and to, to spend time with Esau and the people that came from him, Jacob is afraid, too afraid. And he runs away. And as far as we know, this conflict was never completely resolved. The ways of deception and lies cause many problems. And certainly we see the problems between Jacob and Esau. 
We haven't quite got to the, the life of Joseph. And I want to spend a little time on the life of Joseph before we close out our study of Genesis. But we'll save that for next week. One of the main themes, though, that we find in the book of Genesis is faith and obedience. We find many individuals who were faithful to God. Noah was faithful to God. God told him to build an ark, and he did. And when he built that ark, he prepared it for himself, his family, for the animals that God told him to, to bring in. And they were saved, justified by Noah's faith and by his obedience. Abraham also was one of obedience because God made the promise to bless him. And he entered into this covenant with Abraham. And Abraham was obedient. He left his home. When it came time for, uh, that God told him to sacrifice his son, he was willing to do so. And he too was faithful in his obedience. And of course the faith of Abel. We see that, that Abel, he offered the more excellent sacrifice because of his faith in God. And his faith speaks to us. Even though he is dead, his faith still speaks to us. And we find these mentioned in the book of Genesis. There are many more examples of faith and obedience throughout the Bible. And it seems that so many are found in this book alone. But we learn a lesson. We learn a lesson from the Bible that we, by our faith, are to be obedient. We are to be obedient to the command of God. That we repent of our sins. That we are baptized for the remission of our sin. That we turn away from the life that we once lived. And we turn to God. Peter gave this, this command in the book of Acts chapter 2. In verse 38. Told the Jews what they needed to do. And many others were told what they needed to do as well. And these are the same things that we are to do today. Though the book of Genesis is a different time than what we live in, it's under a different dispensation. It's not the commands that we are to follow today. We see the examples of obedience. And we recognize the importance of our own obedience today. These lived in faithfulness to God. And so are we. We are to live in faithfulness to Him. According to the commands of the New Testament. The New Covenant that God has made between us and Him. And God has promised to bless us if we are faithful to Him. He has promised to bless us beyond the side with a home in heaven eternal, with Him. A place that, that Jesus says He has gone to prepare for us. But we need to prepare ourselves for that eternal home. 
If you stand outside of Christ tonight, if you are in need of responding to the Lord's invitation, then we give you the opportunity. As together we stand and as we sing.